Pray with me if you would. God, we thank you for being with us this morning. Holy Spirit, we welcome you um, among us. Um, And I pray that, and I ask on behalf of those of us here this morning, God, that you would grip our hearts, that you would, whatever distractions, fears, disappointments, discouragements we walked in with today, God, would you, through the power of your Spirit, just blind us to those for a moment so that we can have a have a fresh and new and just open vision of who you are and how good you are. And God, we don't want to come and just go to church. We want to, we want to be in your presence today. We want to experience you today. We want you to move. Um, God, I pray for Pastor Isaiah and their church as they prepare to be with us next week and, and us with them. God, I just pray that you would work in their hearts today too. We thank you for our African brothers and sisters and the privilege that it's going to be for us to just share life with them next Sunday on Easter. And God, we, we love you, and I pray now that you would speak, give clarity, give confidence in your word. And I just ask that you would move for your glory, not for ours, but for your sake. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Grab a Bible or the app on your phone and join me in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. As you're turning there, when when you walk into our home, you would see on the far wall in our living room um, a picture. Actually, several pictures. Um, You know, pictures of our family. And then if you were to look on the wall adjacent to that wall, you would see more pictures of our family. And then if you looked on the opposite wall of the adjacent wall, you would see more pictures of our family. And then as you walked upstairs to the second floor, you would see more pictures of our family. And I'm I'm guessing that if I were to walk into your home, there'd be something similar, right? You would have pictures of your family spread throughout your home. But I wonder if we were to take a family picture of the church. If we were to take a picture of the church, who would be in the picture? What what would it look like? I'll tell you this, that there is beautiful color in that picture. Beautiful color. And this morning, I want us to see why. If, If you're new to us in this shortened series, we are connecting our study from the little book of Haggai to, um, to Jesus. And in the little book of Haggai, it's about God's people rebuilding God's physical temple. And that little book connects us to a temple that Jesus is building, the church. And the Apostle Paul mentions this, and he tells us this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21. He says, We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. He says we are carefully joined together, talking to the church. He says we are carefully joined together in Christ, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Now today is Palm Sunday, and on this special Sunday, I want us to to look again at another characteristic of this temple that Jesus, Jesus is building, the church. Now, last Sunday, we looked at five characteristics, and we, we learned that the church is a people, that Jesus is building a people. He's not building a physical building. He's, he's building a, a people. 
that interact like family, and they're grounded and they're built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And, and the Holy Spirit not just dwells those in the church individually, but it says that he dwells among us when we gather together. So the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that breathed life into Adam, the same Spirit that hovered over the earth at creation is here among his people. And we learned also that the church is for God. So when it comes to church, the question we must be asking is not what pleases me, but what pleases him. Because the church exists for him. And this morning, I want us to see one other characteristic about this temple that Jesus is building, the church. And we're going to see it. You see it in multiple passages, but the passage I want us to spend a lot of our time in is Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. But here's the characteristic, and then I want to kind of unpack this a little bit, this passage for us. So the characteristic of the church that I want us to get, get a hold of this morning that we're going to see in this passage is that, that Jesus is building a temple, he's building the church, and the church is a global, multi-ethnic people. The church is a global, multi-ethnic people. So let's look at the passage, Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to the end of the chapter, and follow along if you would as I read. John the Apostle says this. He says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And I just want to focus in on two verses this morning. It's verses 9 and 10. So, so let's look there. And John says, After this I looked, and behold. So the Apostle John, this is, this is John who traveled with Jesus for three years. Right? He was there at the cross, and he's the one that when Jesus was on the cross, looked down and said, John, take care of my mother. He said, John, behold your mother. So that's John. This is the one who who gets this privilege to kind of look through the window of heaven, and, and, and he's able to see a moment, an event happening in heaven. That, that's John. And, and just kind of imagine getting that privilege. Imagine getting the, the privilege of going to have, being, being able to, to look into the window of heaven and see what's going on. And, and that's what he gets. He gets this privilege. Well, what's, what's he see? It says that he sees a great multitude that no one could number. He sees a huge crowd. 
It's so massive that there's, you, you wouldn't even begin to try to count how many people are there. Have you ever been in a crowd like that? Maybe at a sporting event? Back in the 90s, probably before some of you were born, or I had the privilege of going to Washington, D.C. for like a million-man march or something. I forget exactly what it was. It was Promise Keepers back in the day. Put that on. And I was a, a Christian education pastor in my, my early 20s at a little church in Springfield, Ohio. And the pastor and I got on a bus with several other pastors, and we made the trip to Washington, D.C. And I'd never been a part of anything like that before in my entire life. It was mass humanity. I mean, it was just mass of people. And, and you can't imagine, if you see pictures of it, I mean, it's just tons and tons of people. And, and that's kind of the vision that John's, he's, he's there and he's like, there's, there's just so many people, there's just too many to even try to count. And so he's looking through this window, if you will, and he sees this, this mass of humanity, this crowd. And where are they? If you keep reading down in verse 9, he says, they're standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They're standing in front of Jesus. So he looks through the window and he sees this massive crowd and he's kind of maybe moving his head around trying to get a picture of where they stand. And he sees this throne and it's the throne of heaven and he sees Jesus. And this massive crowd is standing in the presence of Jesus, the lamb, the lamb, the Passover lamb, right? And if you know some, some Jewish history, you know that when God wanted to free his people from being slaves in Egypt. God said, I'm going to come through Egypt, and I'm going to bring judgment. And if you go and you slay a lamb and take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorposts of the home where you live, then when I come and bring judgment, I will pass over you, and you will not receive judgment because the blood will cover you. And then God said, I want you to remember that moment when I rescued you from slavery. And so I want you to have this feast called a Passover feast. And so the man of the house would, would go and he'd take a little lamb, probably that they raised. He probably maybe even birthed the lamb or helped birth the lamb right there in, in the field or whatever. And, and so he grabs them. Maybe they named them. Who knows? It's prob- we don't know. But, but he maybe gr- grabbed them and maybe the kids are like, no, what? you don't know. And, and so they brought him and he would take the lamb and he would kill the lamb, right, and and it was horrible. You can imagine just kind of how difficult that must have been for the family. And then they would eat the lamb, and that would be a, a reminder, God said, of that feast would be a reminder of how I rescued you from slavery. How I rescued you from slavery. And then now we read in Revelation, we read about the Passover lamb named Jesus. The lamb who would spill his blood on the doorposts of the cross and through his blood provide rescue and redemption and forgiveness for our sins, past, present, and future. And so that's the one they're standing in front of, the Lamb, who takes away the sins of the world, John the Baptist said. And so they're standing in the presence of the Lamb, of Jesus. And what are they wearing? It says they're clothed in white robes. They're clothed in white robes. Well, what's that mean? Go down to verse 14, and, and we find out in says, I said to him, sir, you know, and he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. It means these are the people who've been forgiven of their sins. The, the dirty laundry of their past has been made clean. God no longer holds them guilty. He sees them through the blood of the lamb as 
innocent, is declared not guilty. They're, they're washed clean through the blood of Jesus Christ. They've surrendered their lives to Jesus and have been made clean. This past week, we had a, here at the school, their high school advance, and part of the advance was a, a race called the Amazing Race, and they do it by grade. And so I had a station that I led, and then there was a station right next to me. And the station right next to me, they were to, like, have little plastic cups and do a train of water or whatever. And someone there, who will remain nameless, Matt McCaslin, had a great idea. And there was this, there was this mud pit right next to where they were to do their part, this, this little cup thing. You know, and the kids were to do it. And so Matt came up with this great idea. He said, what if we just gave him another option? Four, four of them. They don't have to do the cup thing, which would take hours. could take a long time. He said, if four of them are willing to just jump in the mud pit, and then, we, you know, if they do that, then we'll just let them go to the next station. We're like, dude, that'd be awesome. Do it. Do it. So that's what they did. So these, these grades would come. The whole grade would come, right? And they'd have to pick out eight people. And every class except one was willing to get four people and, and jump into the mud pit. I mean, they, they were just covered, right? I mean, you can imagine, just covered. They're getting out. They're just, I mean, there's no way you're saving those clothes, right? If you do, there's a problem. I, I mean, with you. So, I mean, you're just, you're just not. You're going to, you're probably going to throw those away. You're going to maybe try to clean, but they're, they're ruined. And maybe that's what some people here standing before, before Jesus thought. Because of my sin, because of my pride, because of my judgmental attitude, because of the dirty laundry of my past, and yet, in Christ, I'm not ruined. I'm made clean. I'm made whole forever because of the blood of the lamb. And so they're wearing these white robes that represent they've been washed clean. They've been washed clean. And what are they doing? It says they have palm branches in their hands. Now, this should make us think back to Palm Sunday, the very first Palm Sunday. In John chapter 12, we read about it, and Jesus was riding into the capital city of Israel, Jerusalem, and he's riding not on a horse, which you would have expected. Horse would have represented victory at that time, but he rides on a donkey, which represented peace. So Jesus is riding on the donkey, and the people there during that moment, they're taking palm branches, and they're waving them, and they're laying them, kind of creating this pathway for Jesus to, walk, to, to ride through. And their hope was that Jesus would be this military king, he would rise up against Rome and defeat Caesar and, and set Israel free once and for all from Roman rule. But that's not why Jesus came the first time. He came to set us free from a greater enemy, right? The enemy of sin and Satan and death, fear, the enemy of our own hearts. But here we see them, this crowd, they, they have palm branches as well. Now, interesting about palm branches, palm branches represent victory. They represent joy. And so imagine this crowd, clothed in white, clean, and they're waving these palm branches of victory. And they're smiling. They're excited. They I mean, they're just, and who are they doing this in front of? Christ. So they're in the front of the throne, in front of Jesus, and they're waving these palm branches, victory, triumph. We won. We won. We're clean. And they're just waving them. Just imagine that. Now, this past Monday, I don't know if you watched the NCAA basketball tournament, but I stayed and watched. I always want to watch the, um, the last little one shining moment. Kind of, I don't know if that's my OCD or my, you know, whatever it is. I got to watch that. I don't feel like I've enjoyed the tournament. So I have to watch that. And so at the end of it, 
right? When Virginia won, the University of Virginia won, the confetti comes down. People are going crazy. The team is going crazy. They're jumping in each other's arms. They're getting all this championship gear, hats, and shirts, and they're waving them, right? Imagine that kind of scene here in heaven. And they're, they're waving palm branches. This crowd is waving palm branches. And they're so pumped. They're so excited. And it's mass humanity. And they're in front of the presence of Jesus. And they're just like, Jesus, victory, triumph. It, it's awesome. And they're so excited. Well, what else are they doing? They're crying out with a loud voice. And literally, that means to scream with the megaphone. Now, I don't know about you. The reason why you use a megaphone is so you don't have to scream, right? So this tell, should tell you something. Literally, when you break down the meanings of those words, that's what it means to scream with the megaphone. So these people are not shy about proclaiming victory to Christ. They're not shy about it. They're like screaming it, yelling. They're so excited. And they just can't help but just proclaim what Christ has done to him. Well, why are they celebrating? It says they're crying out with a loud voice. What are they crying out? What are they screaming? What are they yelling? What are they shouting? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is a crowd that's celebrating salvation. They're celebrating that Christ, the Lamb, has made them clean. They're celebrating the lamb, the, the lamb who's given them victory over fear, over death, over sin, has lost its power, over judgment. They're just, they've been made clean. And they can't help but celebrate what Christ has done. They're saying salvation belongs to our, salvation comes from God. It doesn't come from you. And they recognize that they didn't earn their way to get salvation. They recognize that God is the one who granted it in his grace, gave it to them. And they received it. By faith. So salvation belongs to our God. They're screaming that out. They're yelling, salvation belongs to you, God, and to you, Jesus, the Lamb. It's from you. Thank you. Thank you. The reason why we're standing here is because, Jesus, you went to the cross, and, and like the Lamb, spilled your blood on the doorpost, and so that we can now be covered in that. We're here because of you. Victory. We have victory because of you, Jesus. And they're waving the palm branches. Can you imagine that scene? Can you imagine that? Can you picture that? I mean, this is a crowd that's thankful for their salvation. And this is what it looks like when the church gathers for worship. This is what it looks like when a church is grateful for Christ and who he is and what he's done for us on the cross. This is what it looks like. And where's this crowd from? If we keep reading, where's the crowd from? If you go up to the beginning of verse 9, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. Who's in the picture? Who's in our family picture? People from every tribe, every language, every tribe, I mean, every people, every nation. That's who's in the family picture. Let's watch this video if we could. That's your family. That's my family. Right? Yeah.
Jesus is building a global, multi-ethnic people. And we have evidence right here this morning of this. Redden, where are you? Where are you, Redden? Stand up. Makita, where are you? Stand up, Makita. Where are you from, Makita? Your family. Chile. Redden, where are you from? India. Andrea, stand up. You're both. So where did you grow up and where were you born? Brazil. Maria, where are you from? Mexico. Andrew, stand up. Where are you from? Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, Judy, stand up. Where are you all from? Kentucky. Right? Yeah. Right here. Here's what I want you guys to do that are standing. I want you to go to the back. I don't want you to get your picture taken because we want our own family picture, all right? Represent that God right among us is building a global, multi-ethnic people. So why don't you guys go back to the back, grab someone back there, grab a phone, and take a picture, okay? So what's this mean, church? If, if Jesus is building a global, multi-ethnic people, what's that say about Jesus, right? What's that say about about the gospel, and what's it say, and what's that mean for you? What's that mean for us as a church? Let me just quickly go through a quick list, right? Let me tell you some of the things it means. It means Jesus loves the nations. He loves the nations, and he has rescued people from every tribe, every language, every country. The Bible tells us this, and Jesus said the gospel is going to be preached to all nations. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 20. Our mission as church, as missionaries, is to be sent out. You are a missionary. It's not just the people that you pay money for. And you are a missionary right where you live. And God has called us, called me, to go to the nations. Jesus has rescued people from every tribe, from every people, every language. And there's going to be people, you're going to be standing next to people waving palm branches from Afghanistan, from Iraq, from China, from Covington, from Cincinnati. They're going to be there because Jesus loves the nations. What else does it mean? It means the gospel has no boundaries. It has no barriers, no language, no people, no nation. It crosses boundaries. It crosses cultural barriers, language barriers, and I was thinking about this. It means that when people wonder if being diverse and having unity at the same time can exist, just point them to the global church. And the thing that unites us is not a thing. It's Jesus and his spirit. People wonder, is that possible? Absolutely. You want an example? Look at the church. The global church is a wonderful, beautiful picture of the gospel and what Jesus can do and what Jesus does. And it means also we should care for our global church family. We should be concerned about what's happening in China. We should be concerned about what's happening in Nigeria and other parts of the world. Because they're our family. They're our family. And it means we should go to the nations because Jesus uses us, his people, to get the gospel to the nations. And in June, Dustin and Gabby and their house church are taking about 10 people, and they're going to Albania for a week with their house church. 
Steve, um, Dustin's brother Stephen and his wife, they just moved over there a few months ago, and they're, they're going over there to help them for a week. Why? Because God has said, go to the nations. We should go. And listen, you don't have to go overseas. Just go to the Monroe outlets in Cincinnati. I'm not joking. We were there yesterday. On the way home, Andrea's like, did you see how many different people from different nations are here? We're there. I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. So, so we don't have to go. You, I mean, just, some of us just need to go across the street because we have people, our neighbors who are from different countries that, are, that live on our street. Or we work with them in the cubicle next to us or across the hall. Or some of us, we go to school or go on a college campus, get involved in the international student ministry or stu- students and get involved there and help, help some of these churches. Maybe God might send some of you to go help Pastor Isaiah and their church that meets on Sundays. They need help. They need workers. They need people to come alongside. It means we have family that we haven't met yet. And next Sunday, you're going to meet some. You get to meet some of your family next Sunday morning. And I hope all of us will be here for the purpose of loving our family next Sunday. For loving them. And boiling it all down, it just simply means Jesus is amazing. Come on. I mean, that he would do this, and that not only would he have beautiful color in the picture, but he has you, if you know him, in the picture. You're in the picture. You're in the family picture. Because of the gospel, because of who Jesus is and what he's done. So what now? Right? As we think about this. So what now? A couple questions, a few questions that come to mind is are you in the family picture? Are you in the family picture? What do I mean by that? Do you know Christ? I do not want to assume that everyone sitting here this morning knows Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. If you don't, you are not in the family picture, but you can be, and that's why Christ went to the cross. That's why he shed his blood so that you can, by faith, put your trust in your life in him and be washed clean of all your sin, past, present, and future. And in that moment of faith, the Holy Spirit comes inside you and brings you into the family. This global, multi-ethnic family that that Jesus is building. Are you in the picture? And in a moment, I'm going to give you time to just sit quietly or stand quietly and and pray. And maybe right where you stand or sit, you're just going to call out to Jesus. Say, Jesus, save me. Bring me into your family. I confess my sin to you. I turn from my sin, believing that it was through you and your blood that rescues me and brings me into the family. Another question. If you are in the family picture, celebrate. Oh, my word. I mean, John looks into heaven. People are waving their palm branches. I mean, they're pumped. They're excited. Thank you, Jesus. Salvation belongs to you, God. It's like, you, God. You know, they're kind of like, they're like, it's you. It's all you. I mean, they're so excited. And we're just like, what? Christ has saved you. You're clean. You're free. I mean, come on. We should wave the palm branches in celebration of our great God who just said, I love you. You did not earn it, but I put my son on the cross to bring you into the family. We should celebrate. What else? We should get going on caring for our global family. How do you do that? Well, you can start by being here next Sunday morning and just serving our family, our global church family next Sunday. Breakfast is at 9.30. Be here for that. Bring something to share. Let's love on them and let's love well. Let's love well. You can learn more about and pray for your global church family. Just Google it. <laughs> global church family. All right. I'm just 
And fine, maybe God's going to, family worship time, all right, maybe you want as a family to adopt a country. Maybe you have a missionary friend that you support or that you know of, and you just want to start praying for them. Just get connected. Start praying for a global church family. Support a missionary. Visit them. Go visit them and, and encourage them. When we lived in Ireland, we're missionaries there. It was so encouraging to have people come and visit because you feel, as a missionary, you feel absolutely alone at times. Alone. Instead of taking a vacation, maybe you're just going to go visit a missionary. You're just going to say, we're here to serve you, to come alongside you. I don't know. What's the Spirit saying to you? We need to get going and getting the gospel to the nations. How? Go on a short-term mission trip. Lead one. Start one. Go. And as I said, the nations have come to us. Who do you know that needs the gospel? whether they're from Kentucky, whether they're from Ohio, whether they're from Africa, Guatemala, wherever they're from, Papua New Guinea, Albania. People need the Lord. People need Christ, and he's called us to do it. Host a foreign exchange student. Adopt internationally. And help us as a church, our leadership, we've been praying for some time now, that God will lead us to a people, that we're together as a family of house churches, we can come alongside together, because we can do more together than we can as individual house churches. And I'm praying, and I'm praying nearly every day, God, lead us to a people that are desperate for the good news so that we as a church, as a family of house churches, can come along and say, Jesus loves you. Jesus has ransomed you. Jesus has purchased you. The blood of the Lamb is for you. And so as they sing this song, here's one I want you, I want you to stand, if you would. And this is just a song of, for, for you to just spend time in prayer. And, and here's what I envision for this moment. I envision for us to just maybe get in small huddles, spread throughout the room. If you want, go to the back, go to the side. If you want to come and kneel at the cross, you do that. But, but grab some people and just, just let's pray. And here's what I want you to, to ask the Lord. I just want to say, and you see some questions on the screen. You see, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now about your global family, your church family? What's he saying to you? What's he nudging you about this morning? Is there someone, a missionary friend that you know that maybe just saying, you know what, I need to reach out to them today and encourage them. Maybe he's been impressing a, a people on your heart. But what's he saying to you this morning? And so here's what I want you to do. As they sing this song, I just want you to pray. I want us to pray. And so the people near you, grab some people and just start praying and saying, God, help us. Maybe start praying for your global church family. I, what's he saying? So let's do that right now. Can we do that? Right now. Just grab some people and pray. And inside this picture frame, the picture of the church, the family picture of the church is a global family. A global multi-ethnic family. Your family. If you know Christ, these are, it's your family. And it's a family that's been purchased, that's been ransomed by the blood of the Lamb. And that family, our family, is waving palm branches of victory and singing and saying, salvation belongs to our God. And so as we sing, let us sing 
Let us scream like a megaphone, through a megaphone, all right? Just praise of glory to our King of kings and the Lord of lords, who through his blood has rescued us, forgiven us, washed us clean, and brought us to be part of a beautiful family of beautiful color. Amen.